0: Welcome back to the Wannabe Hunting Podcast. This is your host, Amos Medford. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'm excited today to have Mr. Pete Muller on from the National Wild Turkey Federation. So huge thank you to Pete for joining me today and just talking turkey hunting and uh, a little bit of um, cooking and preparation for uh, for wild turkey and stuff like that. So it's a it's a fun one. I think y'all are going to enjoy this one really appreciate everyone continuing to, to uh tune in and uh, our first first episode of the turkey series with toby smith has done extremely well it's uh it's just been fun for everyone to listen to that one so appreciate all the all the support all the listens and uh, uh subscriptions and everything so we really do appreciate those of you who uh who subscribe and leave a review and all that good stuff it definitely helps we appreciate it but uh we hope y'all enjoyed this one with uh, Pete Muller of the NWTF. The Wannabe Hunting Podcast Turkey Series is brought to you by the Wannabe Hunting Podcast merch store on Soar Frontier. You can go to storefrontier.com slash wannabehunting and pick up an Established by God Genesis 9-3 shirt or our one track mind with the turkey tracks the newest designs on the site thank you so much for listening thank you so much for supporting i do want to make a quick note that pete and i had some technical difficulties and big thanks to pete for uh hanging in there with me so there's a little bit a little bit of editing cutting in and out uh that i had to do but it came out okay but if you hear us uh kind of stop abruptly or uh, or jump in, um, you know, midway. Uh, that's why. So thanks to Pete for hanging in there. Those of you who do podcasts, you know you know the deal on that. But, uh, no, it came out pretty good. So just a quick heads up. Thank you all.
1: NWTF Convention and Sports Show coming up February 16th to the 19th, and that's kind of the turning point for even a lot of people in the industry where they go from – finishing up fall, you know, in those late, late seasons. And and really it's this – the flip of the switch to start thinking about turkey because I'm uh, – honestly, from the close of our convention and the end of that, that weekend, you're essentially two weeks away from the start of the first turkey season, um, you know, as things open up in, in lower parts of Florida. So it's just – it's an exciting time. I'm, I'm excited to actually get back with the entire family flock down in, in – uh, or up in Nashville, Tennessee – it's been a long time since we've had that event. But we've got a lot of cool stuff going on there. And and uh, and then, yeah, sure, uh, Spring Goblin is just right around the corner.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. And it's like to say that um, South Florida season starts, starts pretty quick. So um, I haven't actually hunted the South Zone yet. I'm in uh, North Florida, but, you know, someday I'm sure I'll cross the line and, and get an early start.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's uh, if you're trying to make the most out of your seasons um, or turkey season in general, if you can manage to to eke out a hunt on that front end as early as like you know that that early part of March, and then you can stretch it all the way until that last season closes. I think it's like the first week of Jan- uh, of June. You end up actually getting a fair amount of turkey hunting in there, and that's that's like the most that you will ever have. Um, but uh but yeah, it's a, it's definitely an exciting time. I've never hunted that lower part too. I've hunted the the north zone of Florida a couple times. Right. But uh but one day I'll get down there to that south part and chase those those uh early season darker, more black winged osceolas.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome, man. Well, I wanna ask you a few things just about uh you know, cooking cooking wild turkey and uh and other you know other wild game and kind of pick your brain a little bit on uh, turkey hunting and you know maybe get the backstory how you got into hunting and stuff like that but you know before we jump into all that is there anything else you want to add you know the upcoming convention I know you said you got some pretty uh, pretty cool stuff planned anything uh, you'd kind of like to get out as far as what's going on with the convention
1: sure so the, the biggest thing is obviously it's great if people can make it to the event there in Nashville. If you can't, um, we'll still be trying to provide a lot of updates as to things that are going on uh, while we're on location in Nashville. So stay tuned um, on any of the social channels. You'll see a lot of content popping up in those places. Um, we will be broadcasting the calling competition uh, every single one of the The calling competitions that have there will be streamed live on Facebook and be available YouTube uh, after convention has closed. Um, But other things to keep in mind is that there's seminars that we'll be reporting on. If you're there, definitely get a chance to sit in on Thursday morning's rendezvous where there will be a a talk about uh, current wild turkey research going on. Also, a presentation from... Dr. Mike Chamberlain on the state of the wild turkey is talking about the entire population of wild turkey across the the entire U.S. Um, And I think that that's something that's uh, of interest to a lot of turkey hunters right now as uh, people are watching, you know, fluctuations up and down in some areas. Um, But then the other thing is just we'll we'll be trying to share out as much content of conservation work that's going on in the NWTF, new items to look for uh, before your spring hunts come up. So um, any, any new interesting products that we find on the floor, we'll try to tease out some of those things. Um, but uh, and then it, and if you're there, it's it's just a good time to interact with fellow like-minded turkey junkies like ourselves. Um, yeah. uh, it, it's uh, if if you're ever wanting to go to a place where you won't ever get fussed at for you know yelping away on a diaphragm call nonstop. Uh, turkey convention is that place <laughs> yeah anywhere else in the world that you go if you sit there for three straight days and just you know have turkey noises going on uh somebody's eventually going to get upset but no they, they're in nashville it's a it's a welcome sound
0: yeah very few places you can get away with that for longer than a few minutes <laughs> that's that awesome true. i was actually on uh deer hunting podcast A while back, and even those guys, they said if you ever get to go to one show, you know, make it the NWTF convention. So someday I'm going to make it up there. It's not going to be this year, but I'm definitely looking to to come to the convention one of these years.
1: Well, well, next year could be a really fun one to go to as well. Next year is the organization's 50th anniversary. Um, so 50 years is a pretty strong is a pretty strong history from. For for any group or any anniversary, but knowing that there's been 50 years of dedication to uh, preservation of a you know a, of a way of life, and then also the conservation of our cherished bird, the wild turkey, that's a that's a pretty rich heritage, and it wouldn't be possible without the dedicated members and volunteers that are out there in the field carrying out the events, uh, teaching you know new individuals to hunt turkeys. Uh, raising funding for conservation work, um, so it's a pretty special, monumental event for next year. So, if you get a chance to go to that one, I would say definitely make it happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, this may be a little, little tough for a yes or no answer. Um, you know, surely the wild turkey population um, is in a better spot than it was 50 years ago when the NWTF started. But would you say, in general, the Turkey population is um, pretty healthy right now, or it's so, up or down? Is there an overall?
1: So, from the time that the organization started back in '73, there were let's say around you know 1.25 to 1. 1.3 million turkeys across the country, thanks to the efforts of the NWTF, state agencies, uh, you know, and even just the turkey hunters that were willing to to have birds from their own backyard. We put in boxes and ship to other places to help this population explode across the entire country. Things hit a high of around seven million. Um, I think current population estimates are sitting at around. I think its last numbers that I was given was around six point two five. But if you look at that, there has been a decline um, of the overall population. If you just look at the American wild turkey and all the places that they are, there has been a decline. Um, and that's something that we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about this year at convention. Um, I don't think that there's one singular answer as to how to fix things, but the things that we do know is obviously there's less habitat for the birds, less, uh, less interconnected, good, suitable habitat for nesting and brooding, which again, you need for, um, for, for healthy reproduction. Then there's also just a, a less, a lesser population of people that are actually turkey hunting. I I know that there's, there's somewhat of a, an idea that Turkey, there's more Turkey hunters now than there have ever been. um, But that number has actually gone down. uh, I want to say in the past 10 years from as many as 3 million to where I think the last number that I saw was, it was just a touch over two. Um, So the people that are participating in it are down, the birds are down. um, And so the interest in, even from, the people that are probably my age and younger of thinking hey there's something really wrong with the bird you know it's it's there's they've either seen turkeys their entire life um and never really had the the lows um or if they're the old timers they've seen things explode from where you didn't really hear any birds to where there were birds everywhere and now they've settled back to somewhere in the middle now again, there's, there's a lot of things that can be done, um, research, but the number one thing that can be done to help the birds overall is to make sure that there's suitable habitat. Um, and those are things that we're going to continue to work on. But I think that there's obviously, uh, research that's going on that we're a part of that needs to be shared out at a higher rate to where people can see some of those activities, whether it be, uh, monitoring birds, um, gobbling chronology studies that are going on, um, uh, trap and release of birds that are going on just for 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 different things. So I, I think that you'll see a lot more of that at this convention, um, just because there is a more heightened awareness of the overall population now. Um, but I, I would say there are certain places where birds are healthier than ever. And then there are certain places where there's work that has to be done collaboratively to figure out what more can we do to fix uh, localized declines.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, there's a couple of places I hunt in the area that are, you know, we see a lot of turkeys, you know, um, at least it seems like a lot to me, you know, when we're out deer hunting or even we're turkey hunting, you know, we can generally see some, but, um, you know, also in this, in the North Florida area, the Jacksonville area, I mean, there's a new neighborhood every other day and when they take out, you know, these sections of woods, it's, is not helping the population of you know turkeys and deer or anything else you know
1: yeah it, it can definitely it can definitely make it more difficult um, but i think that you know some stuff that, that, that we've seen um, and I, I i think it's probably more anecdotal evidence than anything but even just the be, the behaviors of the birds themselves have evolved um, and you, and you hear this from talking to some of the old timers where they talk about, Hey, you know, it used to go out and be able to strike up any call and you'd hear gobbles all over the place. And now it's, you know, more birds are tight beaked or whatever it is. So I, I think, um, they've been able to see some things in studies, uh, from guys like Brett Collier and Chamberlain through, um, through, through the, the radio monitoring of birds and actually also even monitoring hunters in the field. And they see that from the time that the birds you know, start having hunters in the field. Even the gobbles go down. Um, so I, I think it's there's a lot more that we can always learn. But yeah, there's there's the the work of the NWTF and the work that we can do to help to help uh, supplement turkey populations to help keep things healthy for generations to come, where turkey hunters like you and I get to keep heading into the field and having good experiences. I think that that work will never be done.
0: Yeah, there's always going to be something you know, to challenge, to challenge us. Um, you know, they're not going to stop making neighborhoods. Um, you know, so there's always going to be, there's always going to be things involved and ways to, to work around it or to, you know, come up with solutions, which is kind of the whole point of the NWDF. So that's pretty awesome.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in the, the next few weeks, you will see some, again, some new campaigns come out, some, some new language. It's going to be a heightened, heightened atmosphere where we're talking just as much about the conservation work that's going on, but also how people can really become involved. And, and, and I'd say that there's, there's some, we've been somewhat of a product product of the success of all the work going on in the field, the members, the volunteers to where again, you know, if, if you're of a certain age, there's always been turkeys to go hunt. And, and it's tough when you're an organization that says you're working for an animal and they seem to be plentiful to have people realize what still needs to happen and how their their member dollars can still be used effectively to carry out conservation work. So I'd say if, if you're a turkey hunter and you want to keep that resource around or you're you're eager to chase birds for years and years to come, thirty five dollars is a small thing to put in a pot. Um consider we spend, you know, at least that much on a box of shells every year. So Yeah,
0: to me that's that's like the least you can do is just join the NWTF. I mean, you know, like Absolutely. you said thirty 30- bucks and you're you're a member and you've contributed um you know that should be the starting point you know especially if you call yourself a turkey hunter Uh,
1: yeah i think that it's 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 the least that you can do there's always ways that you can do more you can get involved but you know at least at least putting some money towards conservation that then we can use to leverage it at a rate of let's say 10 to 1 uh or even as high as 20 to 1 in some areas um that really helps make a dent in work that needs to be done so
0: yeah, absolutely, cool. I appreciate kind of the. I mean, that was probably the the short, extra simplified version of you know, kind of where things are and and all that. But I appreciate you going over over that with me. Um, you know, I did want to ask you kind of moving move you know, along. Um, you know, how you got into hunting or turkey hunting specifically, either or both. You know, what's the uh, what's your story there?
1: You know, I I always grew up. Um, in a family that that did outdoor things. Uh, I mean, I grew up camping and fishing. I remember going squirrel hunting with my dad growing up. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Delaware, so not really a state that's known for bustling populations of, of turkeys, or at least not that time. Um, I, I don't remember actually even knowing anybody that turkey hunted until I was in college in North Carolina. And even at that point, it was kind of thought of as, you know this is one of the tougher types of hunting that you can do um but i ended up after college moving out west to wyoming and i lived out there for a number of years and that was the first time i ever really got a taste of of wild turkey hunting and so i honestly was spoiled because anybody that's ever gone and hunted the black hills or hunted miriams in general know that they are not anything close to what you get when you're hunting you know like the southern swamps and pines and um the, the easterns here are are far harder birds. I think if you can learn to hunt in certain areas of the country like the southeast, you could probably kill birds anywhere. Um, but I got I got my start in in Wyoming, and it was all because I read the spring turkey guide one year, and it talked about just a high population or a high percentage of the, the people that hunted turkeys in the Black Hills. Were you were saying you moved out west, and it kind of kind of spoiled you? Yeah, so I, I ended up getting a chance to hunt the Black Hills, Wyoming, for my very first turkey hunt and you know anybody that's ever hunted miriams it, it they're they're a, a totally different bird no pun intended but they mm-hmm. they they're more gobble friendly they um and, and you just they're they're a, they're an easier bird to learn on i would say uh so i remember you know after reading the spring turkey guide it said a high percentage of people that, that hunted the black hills got birds and i thought well heck i mean i'm out here hunting everything else that the west has to offer i might as well try my hand at this and i went and bought a a single sided Primo's box call and a 2d, um, Montana decoy hen. And I ventured up, you know, drove, drove from the little town that I was living in, drove up to the black Hills and hunted public land and managed to kill a bird. And, um, and that was kind of the beginning of it to where then it was, I knew every spring I was going to go hunt that area. Um, and even when I started there, there was actually a two bird region. Um, but, uh, but but we only ever bought the over the counter tags for it. But that that was kind of that was kind of where things started. And then I I got a chance to hunt some in Colorado when I lived there, and and uh, got employed with the National Wild Turkey Federation, and have gotten to um, to chase birds in a couple of different locations, and and then also help pass on my love of chasing turkeys to other people. And so I think that that's been that's been a fun part of the journey, where not only did I get hooked on it before I even started here, um, but it was now I, now I'm working to help, help other people get, get that same bug that, that I got hooked on.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I've, I've heard the same thing as far as, you know, kind of them acting a lot different out that way. Um, but, but that's pretty cool. So you, you grew up, you know, not hunting very little, but then, uh, kind of jumped into it a little bit later.
1: Yeah, it was it was definitely the hunting that we did wasn't the hunting that I do now. I mean, honestly, if there's a season for it now, I'm probably chasing it, although I I haven't done nearly as much waterfowl in recent years. Um, But but it's something where, you know, we we chase squirrels. My dad did some deer hunting, um, you know, went and shot the occasional pheasant or quail at a game farm. But again, Delaware is not not the sportsman's paradise like Wyoming was by a long shot. Um, now, obviously, nowadays there's huntable populations of turkeys in 49 states. You know, that's your lower 48 plus Hawaii. Um, but it it hasn't always been that way. So, it, yeah. So I j- I just kind of wrap everything up. You know, it was as far as like my hunting. It's it's yeah. something that it, it was always there as far as just the outdoor lifestyle. But man, you you hit certain parts of the country that are just deeply embedded with with the hunting aspect and there's far more opportunity and that, that changes the type of stuff that you do. Um, and it's something that now, now that I'm a parent and I've got kids of my own, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that they at least get the experience of going along on hunts. And if they want to try it out and, and they're exposed to firearms at a young age and safety and everything like that. Um, I'm trying to continue that, that heritage that I was somewhat raised with, um, maybe not as much in the big game or Turkey aspect, but, continuing that on with them to where they understand, uh, the value of, of that outdoor lifestyle.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And, and I, I like that. And to me, you know, I grew up, you know, we grew up, you know, shooting guns and kind of same thing, you know, maybe going after some squirrels and in the backyard or whatever, but you know, it just wasn't hunting. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how some people get into it later in life. And, um, you know, you go from, not being a big time hunter to, you know, working for a conservation hunting type organization. Um, you know, it's just pretty, pretty neat to me how, how Thanks. things can go. Um, you know, you can go from not being in it to really being in it, um, really? which in some ways is how I feel that I am, you know, from, you know, hunt, you know, starting hunting, you know, five, six years ago to, you know, having a podcast about it. So, um, that's kind of interesting to me how, how your progression, you know, went.
1: Yeah, I, I think, and that's what a unique thing about the outdoors and, and the hunting industry as a whole, or even just that, that pursuit the passion is that no, no two stories are alike. I mean, yeah, there's a fair amount of people that are raised in it and maybe they killed their first deer when they were six or seven years old. Um, you know, but there's a lot of people that, You know, maybe they started young and they took some time off in college because time was tougher or they they started a family and there was a little bit of time away and they didn't they didn't take the time to still pursue their passion. And now they're getting back into it full bore. Um, So it's no two stories are really alike, but it's it's neat to hear everybody's story about, you know, what's charged them, you know, when it comes to the outdoors and how they how they pursue that passion, how it's become a part of their lives. For me, a big thing more recently has been. Um, diving into wild game preparation and things like that. And, and that was something where I always enjoyed cooking. But for right. me, um, I remember the very first turkey that I killed, I took, the, it was a painstaking process, but I plucked that entire bird, cleaned it, did everything that I was supposed to do, uh, except for one step. I injected the thing, deep fried it. And then as I went to cut into it and, you know, we had buddies hanging around, Everybody had been waiting for this feast that we were going to have and slicing into it through that crisp skin. I hit the crawl and I had forgotten to take that out. Cause I I'd never killed a turkey before. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and it, it kind of ruined the entire meal. Um, everybody else was like, Hey, I'm going to get pizza. I was like, well, I got to figure out what to do with this bird here. And I ended up cleaning everything up and, you know, took usable portions of the meat and still ended up using that. But it was, um, but I, I've in recent years spent a lot of time trying to, find ways to share game with people because you always hear it when, you know, somebody's like, Oh, I don't like this meat. Or I don't like that meat. It's too gamey. Or it's, you know, I I don't know what to do with it. Um, And I think that there's a lot of ways that people can learn to prepare their deer meat, their Turkey duck, whatever it might be in ways that resonate with tastes, flavors that they, that they're used to, or they don't realize the versatility of the meat that can be substituted into things that, that they're already eating on a regular basis. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how my journey has, has now taken a different turn of trying to trying to educate people on, on different ways to use game. And, uh, especially when it comes to turkey hunting, the biggest thing that I try to inform people on is keep the legs and thighs. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that they, they're, they're their choice cut off of a wild turkey is the breast meat, whether they're making nuggets or poppers or, or smoked turkey breast or something like that. And don't get me wrong. It is fantastic, but there's so much that you can do with, with a turkey in general that, uh, that, that just makes it, you know, table fare. you know, stretches it out through that many more meals when you're using all parts of it.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And, um, do you want to maybe go a little bit, a little bit further on the, on turkey legs and thighs, um, whether it's, you know, getting them off or, uh,
1: yeah yeah so so I, I think the biggest thing that people run into most of the time and you hear it when you talk to turkey hunters is they just say the meat's too tough and the biggest thing to keep in mind with any wild game is that you while you can substitute it in for your store-bought meats you know whether it be red meat or poultry and things like that you can substitute it but you have to treat it differently and you have to watch your temperatures a lot more if you end up overcooking things you can end up end up getting your meat that ends up being dried out and then it does get too tough. But your Turkey legs, they're a very simple process to get off, uh, get off of the bird. I mean, you're just cutting right down at the ball joint on that leg where it joins to the hip. Similar. You would, if you were breaking down a chicken, um, you know, you can pluck them, you can leave the skin on, uh, that that ends up working well to try to help keep some of that moisture in there, or you can completely take that off. I do my Turkey legs a number of different ways. Uh, one of the ways I actually did recently was um, I ended up sous the legs for quite some time. And then I ended up, um, ended up finishing them on, uh, God, goodness gracious, I can't remember exactly how I finished them, but I ended up basically replicating state fair turkey legs. And, and it was, it was a lengthy process because for that darker meat, you have to cook it lower and slower for longer periods of time to try to break down those fibers because if you think about it a turkey's not like your farm bird i mean he's out there running around in the wild his legs are you know one of his biggest you know defense mechanisms and it's that that you know flight i mean if you've ever seen a turkey run they scoot at uh speeds of like 25 miles an hour Um, so those legs are working hard um so if you cook them very low and slow you can end up breaking them down if you if you include braising liquids as well. Um, you know you can use chicken stock, things like that. It eventually gets to a point where the meat just falls off the bone and is tender. It can be pulled apart, used in tacos, uh, burritos. It can be made into you know pulled turkey sandwiches with some coleslaw or something like that. But the other thing that you can actually do is you can cut every last chunk of the that darker meat off of the legs, and then you can grind it. And then you can start using it just like you would, um, you know, any other ground Turkey, you can make burgers with it. I've done that for my kids. Uh, you can use it in your spaghettis. You can use it, you know, so, so the versatility of those, isn't just, Hey, throw this on, uh, you know, throw, cut the chunks of meat off and then, then, you know, bread it, fry it and, and do that. I mean, again, there's a lot of things that you can do now, even the thighs, as long as you, you bread those and fry those, you can make a, a pretty darn good, uh, you know, a pretty darn good sandwich with just that cut. Um, But again, you got to watch your temperatures and make sure that you're not over drying things. But at a temp of about, you know, 165 to 167, you know, you're actually coming out to where your meat's done. You don't have to worry about any parasites. Everything's cooked off at that point and you're good to go.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's very cool. What about like uh, um, if I was going to make tacos with, you know, turkey, would you recommend, um, you know, thighs and legs versus uh, breast or either or both? You or know, it- honestly,
1: for for doing stuff like tacos, um, you can slow cook the turkey breast as well. Um, and we actually, one of, uh, here at the NWTF, every, um, every year we host a recipe contest. And there was a gal, I want to say she was from either California or New Mexico, but she submitted a... Um, a wild turkey carnitas recipe and I recreated it uh, just so we could test flavors and everything like that. And, and it was done in a, in a, uh, I want to say it was either done in a pressure cooker or a crock pot. I can't remember right offhand, but, but it, it, at the end, the meat was very, very easy to shred and that worked out well. But if you're, if you're also just looking to do, you know, ground meat with taco seasoning on, you know, on a softer or crunchy taco, take those legs and run them through a grinder or even just, um, or even just slice it up about as thin as you can, and you can quick stir fry those in a pan and it'll come out pretty good. But again, you really would want to make sure that you don't overcook it. Me personally, I like the flavor from the legs a whole lot better than I do the turkey breast. So,
0: gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that, you know, that info. Like I said, I've, I haven't cooked very much, um, you know, very much wild turkey. I've only killed one and I think we did the breast in a, um, you know, in a crock pot and it turned out pretty good, but I probably overcooked them a little bit and, uh, you know, so hadn't, hadn't got to experiment too much. So that's cool.
1: Hey man, you, you, you made it farther than a lot of people had. And that was, that was harvesting the bird. That's, that's always the first hard step. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are turkey hunters that, that don't even get that chance every year so. It's just like anything else that's that's cool man congrats on your bird thank you yeah i think that
0: was i think it was three years ago now and uh the next year i just about didn't see anything and then last year i saw plenty but they just weren't close enough so uh, and i couldn't get them to come in but uh but yeah it, it's a challenge just getting the bird that's for sure <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> Um uh, speaking of cooking and food I, You put something up. I think it was last night. Was that, did you say it was alligator?
1: Yes, that, that was alligator. Um, that looked amazing here, here in South Carolina. I've gotten the chance to, we have a draw system here for for alligators and I've gotten a chance to hunt them twice now. Um, this year I was able to take one. It was just a touch under 10 foot. Um, and so used up one of the first packages of, of meat that I got off that gator this year, and it was uh, it was fried turkey or fried uh, gator nuggets um, from one of the tail loins, and uh, then it was with a like a spicy Cajun mayo and some cheese grits and some some Cajun seasoned corn and then some sauteed green beans. Um, my kids ate most of it. They ate more nuggets than anything. Um, but but yeah, it was it was pretty tasty yeah honestly if we're being honest you can you can bread and fry most things and they turn out pretty good (laughs) yeah that's a good point i
0: mean you bread and fry it there's only so many things that can that's cool though well that's awesome man i appreciate you sharing a little bit on you know kind of the (laughs) kind of the cooking process and and uh you know what you've done with with some of that but uh you know, kind of, kind of wrapping everything up and, and bringing it together. Um, you know, one, what are your plans for this turkey season? Are you staying in South Carolina, or do you have some other states
1: uh, make it to this year? Um, so t- typically uh, through work, I'll end up hosting some hunts. I don't do much hunting myself anymore um, during turkey season. I try to get out a few days here in South Carolina. It's actually kind of funny. I've I've actually never killed a South Carolina turkey because um, I'm either at home with kids or uh, or doing some traveling. Um, but there, there are a few trips and it and if I get the chance to just because every so often I like to do it, uh, I may make a trip back out to Wyoming just where I got my start. It's just kind of more of a sentimental thing. Um, it, you get to enjoy that the the awesome scenery out there in the black hills i mean heck you've got devil's tower nearby you've got mount rushmore nearby and it's just it's a neat place to go so every now and again i go back out that way and and chase birds um but out, outside of that no it's going to be a pretty pretty easy spring um i think uh w- one of my goals this year is to uh if i can make a trip down to florida is I'd like to try to go wrap up my archery grand slam. Again, I don't know if I'll get a chance to do that, but the only bird that I have left to do with a bow is uh, is an Osceola. So at some point I should probably start planning that. All right. See if we can close her out. <laughs> I, I don't know if it got it, but uh, I was just saying at some point, you know, either this year I'll see if I can't make a swing down to Florida or or next year, but that's the only place I have left to go to um, to wrap an archery grand slam for birds. Um, but outside of that, I, th- I think I might try to hit some public land here in South Carolina and finally scratch out that first South Carolina bird. If I get some time. Cool, man. That sounds like a good plan. Um, real
0: quick and I'll let you go. Um, do you have any, uh, what kind of calls do you use? Usually diaphragm or do you like to use like a slate or a box
1: or anything like that? I, I typically do. I typically use a mouth call. Um, I'd say I use that for a majority of things. Um, but I'll, I'll carry a box call. Uh, it's a, it's an, I think I can't remember. It's a, it's a zinc box call. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a couple pot pop calls that I carry. Um, one of them is a copper pot just cause I think it provides a little bit of a different sound and than what birds are probably hearing off of most people just running slates. Um, right. and then I also carry just a regular slate call, uh, just cause, um, you know, it's one that just runs really, really easily. But the copper pot is one that just—it seems to have a different pitch to it, and it can cut the wind a little bit better. Um, but any time that I spark up a bird, uh, any anything from then on out will pretty much happen on a diaphragm call. And I will say I'm not good at all at calling. Like the difference between me and even the kids that are calling in our calling competition is they—they they are probably ten times the caller that I am. But I'm <laughs> able to scratch out a bird here and there, so that uh that. That leaves me feeling okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, that's cool, man. Well, Pete, I appreciate you joining me today. I enjoyed it. Absolutely, man. I definitely appreciate you having me on. Um, I'd say anybody interested in in trying to learn more about turkey hunting, head over to nwtf.org. We have a, a great learning tool on the website. Uh it's our turkey hunting one oh one that you can give a look at. Um or even just browse through some of the articles uh, online that you have. And there's also a portal where you can log on, become a member and start doing your part to help out with Turkey conservation. Absolutely. Cool.
0: I'll definitely check out the website as well. I've been there before, but I'll, I'll take a look at that course for sure.
1: Absolutely, man. Well, thank you again for having me on have a great day. All right. You too, buddy. Hey, y'all. Thanks so
0: much for listening to this episode of the Wannabe Hunting Podcast. I hope you're enjoying the turkey series so far, and I hope you enjoyed our guest today, Mr. Pete Muller of the NWTF. I enjoyed talking with Pete. He's a great guy and had a lot of uh, knowledge to share with us. So stay tuned for more on the turkey series and uh, stay tuned to the Wannabe Hunting Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate your support. Hope everybody has an awesome turkey season this spring, and hope you're getting your Shotgun sighted in, keeping your bow tuned up, uh, doing whatever you need to do there. But uh, we're all looking forward to turkey season, so let's, let's stay locked in. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, honor God, work hard, and keep hunting.